Hello and welcome to the podcast for Christ Community Church in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. This is a message given by Tom Job on Sunday morning, December 18th, 2022, from Matthew chapter 5 and Luke chapter 1. So one thing that, um, like one person that you probably are hearing, I don't know, their name a little bit more, this time of year than other times, was, there was a guy named Clement Moore, and um, he, did, he did a lot of amazing things. He was a real estate developer in New York City. He was on the board of Columbia University for 30 years, and he was a professor of Hebrew at Protestant Episcopal Seminary in New York, wrote a two-volume dictionary of the Hebrew language, but he's most well-known as the author of Twas a Night Before Christmas and All Through the House, Not a Creature Was Stirring, Not Even a Mouse. He did a lot of amazing things. He probably didn't do that. So that was a poem that appeared in a, in a newspaper in Troy, New York in 1823. Nobody know, knew who wrote it. And it wasn't until 20 years later that somebody said, didn't you write that poem? And he said, I think maybe I did. And, but, but he was, he, he, he was a grouch, like he was a grouchy old guy and he wrote poems for kids like at Christmas time, but it was all about how you need to humble yourself and you need to remember that death is near to all of us and you need to not smoke, he had to smoke tobacco because it's the treacherous pathway to opium and like, it didn't do that for me, so, but anyway, uh, but, and, but, um, and he had claimed to translate a book about sheep care from French into English, and it wasn't true. He didn't really do it. And so before he claimed that he wrote that poem, he wrote the newspaper in Troy, New York, to see if they, anybody knew who actually wrote it. And they said there were some people who knew, but they're all dead. And he said, maybe I did it. And so he, he just included it in a book of his dreary poems that he wrote. And there were some people who said, our granddad and our great, great granddad wrote that. Henry Livingston, because he was a Dutch immigrant. He wrote us Christmas poems every year, and they were always about flying vehicles and flying animals. And he wrote us one about Thor, who was in a flying chariot pulled by flying goats. And they were always in anapist, anapestic meter. Da, 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 da. All creatures are stirring, not even a mouse. Every year like that. And he always used the word all, all through the house, all snug in their bed, dressed all in fur. And he always used that word. And he wrote that. And so, Clement Moore. <laughs> what a liar. No, but he did a lot, a lot of amazing things. But he probably didn't do that. So... So in the Christmas story, so Mary was, um, she was an amazing young woman. She was a special young woman. Um, she wasn't a princess. She wasn't 
the daughter of the high priest. She didn't come from Jerusalem or Rome. She came from an obscure town. And um, she had a, there was a common name. There are six, maybe seven, depending on how you count women in the New Testament, named Mary. She was probably 13 or 14. And an angel appeared to her and said, you're special. And she said, I am not. She was troubled by it. And you have been chosen to be the one who is going to give the world the savior. And she, and she was like, how can it be? Like, I'm engaged, but we've never done it. And the angel said, it's going to be a miracle. And the Holy Spirit is going to cause the Savior to be conceived in you. And she didn't, I mean, she had a choice. I get, you know, you get the feeling reading it that she had, it wasn't that the angel said, you're pregnant. He said, you, you, you will be if you agree to this. I mean, if she had no choice, she might have, re, you know, resented it. But she didn't hesitate. And she said yes. And she was a brave, special young woman who did amazing things. And then down through the centuries, Christians have, some have said, you know, she was so special. She might have been super special. Like, and so people started to say, you know, she gave birth to Almighty God and became a human baby, but he was perfect. Like he was what theologians call, talk about his impeccability, like that Jesus was, never did anything, said anything, thought anything wrong. He was sinless. Well, you can't have a sinless baby unless you're sinless too. So maybe she was. And then stories started to grow and traditions about her parents, about her mother, Anna, and her dad, Joyakin, and how he was a rancher in Judah. And they lived a long time and never had any kids. And they were getting kind of old. And they had a fight one day. And he went away into the wilderness for 40 days to fume, I guess. And an angel appeared to him and said they, they were going to have a baby. And an angel appeared to her and said that they were going to have a baby. And it was going to be a wonderful little girl who was going to be spoken of through all the world. And so he went back. And they met at the Golden Gate in Jerusalem. And they kissed. And it was on December the 8th. And they conceived that day. And a baby was conceived. The girl was conceived without the transmission of original sin. And they called it the Immaculate Conception. The, the, one of the, and so their baby was born and didn't sin like normal human beings and grew up and they took her to the temple when she was four and she was raised by priests and fed by angels. And one of the people who really promoted this was um, Saint Ambrogio, Saint Ambrose of Milan, Italy in the fourth century. And that's why um, December the 8th is the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, of the Conception of Mary by her parents, the Festa della Concezione Immacolata, that's what they call it in Milano, and that's why that's always the beginning of opera season, which it started 10 days ago, so. But she did a lot of amazing things. She probably didn't do that. You know, there was, uh, and, and these, are, these are kind of stories 
about her that live in other denominations besides Protestant denominations, and which not so much. I do want to say this, though. Like, I started seeking God when I was 10. And all during middle school and high school, my first two years of college, I went to the Catholic Church. And I learned things that um, about consecration and devotion to God there that changed my life. And there's just a lot of things about, about um, the Catholic Church that I love and, and have changed me. And I feel like um, the narrative of the Gospels beats brightly in our Catholic brothers and sisters in Christ. And they've been champions of the poor, of the marginalized, and of the disfavored like no other in the body of Christ. And I've learned a lot, and they've helped me a lot. But I don't agree with everything. And so one of the, thi one of the stories was that because Mary was sinless, that she also, when she and Joseph got married, um, she was a virgin because she conceived Jesus by a miracle, but that they never, I don't know how you say it, but they never did it. Like that she was like a virgin like her whole life. And that's why a lot of times in old medieval or Renaissance paintings of the nativity, Joseph is like 80 years old because that was the tradition is he was a widow and he was 80 years old. And if we can never do it, what do you want from me? I'm like 80 years old, but, but um, she did a lot of amazing things. She probably didn't do that. I mean, they were kids. Like she was 13 or 14, Joseph was 14 or 15. And when they got married, she was already pregnant by a miracle and they didn't do anything. And it said, Matthew says, until Jesus was born. And after that, they were a couple of kids, married kids in love. And they, and they had at least four boys and at least two girls. So, and another tradition is that she was taken bodily into heaven and she did a lot of amazing things. She probably didn't do that. And I don't really know if Mary would like people saying those kind of things about her, because she was someone who knew. She gave to the world a savior, and everybody needs a savior. And she knew she needed a savior, and she burst into singing when she went to see her cousin when she was just pregnant. And she said, my soul rejoices in God, my savior. All of us need someone to save us, not something, not some new, some new way of thinking or some new path to walk or some new discipline to follow. We need someone to do for us what we can't do for ourselves. And it can't be anyone. Only Jesus is the one everybody, whether they know it or not, whether they feel it or not, everybody needs Jesus to save them from being. And he's the only one who can. He was the one that John said was full of grace. And of his grace, we've all received and grace upon grace. Grace is an amazing word in the New Testament. Like grace, grace is a word, it's a rich word. It means lots of different things. Grace is a word that means um, loveliness, love, love and acceptance. Paul says in, Galatia, in Colossians chapter four, whatever you say, 
let it be seasoned with grace, with like love, with acceptance. People will listen to you if they feel in your words love and acceptance. Jesus' words in Luke chapter 4, it says they were full of grace. They were full of love. He spoke to people with love and they knew that he loved them and he accepted them. It says in in Luke chapter 2 that when the baby was born, when Jesus was a child growing up and he was full of the grace of God, the very last verse of Luke chapter 2, it said the child grew in wisdom and stature, intellectually and physically, and in the favor of God and men, spiritually and socially. But the word favor is the word grace. And just in the, like God the Father, looking at, at God the Son who had become a little boy and just watching him grow and he just loved him I just there was a time when he said it you know when Jesus was 30 I loved every second of that I just just watching you the only child who never sassed his mother one time you know I just I think growing up with in a house with seven kids there's a theological question was Jesus ever spanked and um even though he was sinless the only sinless person who's ever walked the earth and I personally believe that he was because with seven kids and everything falls apart and sometimes people have been known to just start yanking and spanking. So, you know, but, um, but you know, the only 12 year old, 13 year old that never checked anybody out, the only, you know, he never bragged. He was never, you know, he never stood there in a field with his friends, you know, a 13 year old watching geese fly over and they just letting them know, you know, when they fly in that V like that, there's 17% less drag when they fly. I remember when I invented that, you know, we just, <laughs> no, but um, grace, it just means love and acceptance. It means God's free help, just help and gifts by grace. Paul said, we've been saved through faith and that not of yourself. It's not anything that you do. And it means love and acceptance. It means help, God's free help and gifts. And it means strength and power. There's one place where Paul said, you know, one time I was really struggling with something. It was, a, it was maybe a physical thing. You know, you think back, like if you had a hernia, like, well, I don't know what you did like back then. I mean, I had a hernia one time. If you live back in those days, it's where like your intestine comes through like the muscle wall of your stomach. And what it feels like is it feels like your intestines are coming through the muscle ball of your stomach. You're like, this, I don't know what I would do. But he had a thing and he asked God to take it away. And he said, nope. He said, you really need this because my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect when you need me, when you're weak. And so it, it means that. And we were supposed to live on that. Like human beings, the thing that happened to human beings is like, it just, it's complicated, but human beings, were, we were supposed to live on grace. We were supposed to live on God's love and acceptance, his free help and gifts, his strength and power, like we live on air and water and food. And human beings decided, I don't want that. Like, I don't want, I don't want to live on God's approval of me, God's... I think I'm special. Um, I don't really care what he thinks of me. Like, the word special, it's related to the word species and the word specific. And it means kind. I think I'm one of a kind. I don't think there's anybody like me. I really don't care what God thinks of me. And I don't need his help. Um, the word grace, the Greek word is the word charis. It's spelled C-H-A-R. I-S. It's where we get the word C-H-A-R-I-T-Y. And people say, I don't need that. I don't need charity. 
I don't need God's strength and power. I've got this. And everything, I'm special. Everything that has gone wrong in this world and in everybody's life and all human, what theologians would call sin, come from that. I'm just special. And people have always been racing and always been bragging and always been trying to prove how much better they are than other people and putting them down and trying and criticizing and comparing and competing and conquering each other to prove how special I am. Without charity, I don't need it. And that's what's messed up everything, and I don't know if people really feel as guilty as they are. I do know that they feel insecure because they feel like, I don't need anybody's approval. They, they feel needy. I don't need him. They're exhausted. I don't need his strength. They just wind up knowing they're a mess. And that's why Jesus, that's why everybody needs Jesus, because the Savior, because he's the only one who has what people like that need. He has grace, like he just, even when people have dissed him like the entire time and made a complete and total mess of it, he just loves them. He just loves me. He just, he just loves us. He, he loves like me. I remember Brennan Manning, who was a friend, he was an alcoholic and a Franciscan, um, he was a Franciscan brother. And he decided to spend six months in a cave in the mountains of Spain, just getting to know Jesus better. And he would, and they, the, the, a donkey would bring up supplies once a week and kerosene and food and stuff. And he just lived in this cave in a mountain. And he would get up for what he called nocturnal adoration at like three in the morning. And one morning he was just worshiping Jesus and he was looking at his crucifix and he could feel Jesus speak from his crucifix and say, Brendan, I did this for you. I did this because I love you. I took all of your mess and I paid for it myself because I love you. And he said, I was so overwhelmed that he went to the mouth of this cave at three in the morning and she just yelled into the darkness, Lord Jesus, are you crazy? Are you crazy? Why would you love me? And he's just crazy in love with us. And he gave us what we the help we needed, his blood to pay for us, only he could do it, rose from the dead and offers his strength and, um, and his power and gives us a new start, like whoever needs it, just a new start, a complete forgiveness of everything you've ever done, do or will do because you were trying to prove how special you are without him. Um, but this is the way it really works, like forgiveness, like forgiveness, just like kind of we're gonna start over what really happened. It's deep and mysterious, but when Jesus was dying for us, like in that horrible way, all of the, all of the mess that we had made trying to be so special without him, all of our guilt was transferred to him even though he had never done anything wrong. And he paid for all of it. And when you trust in him, all of his righteousness, all of his holiness, so the word holy is a word that means basically special. All of the specialness of Jesus 
is transferred to you, even though you and I have never done anything right. And we paid for none of it. And when you believe in him, you can know for the first time in my life, I really am special, but I'm special because Jesus is special. I'm special, but it was given to me. And I know that people say, well, that's not special. Like it would be better if you're special because you did something amazing or because you were something amazing. And that would be better for Jesus because he could have just stayed in heaven and clapped for you all day long. But um, that ship has sailed. Nobody ever was. And um, if I'm ever going to see myself as special, it's going to be that specialness of Jesus that was given to me. It's either that one or nothing. And the only thing about that is, that is the secret of happiness right there. There's a place in Matthew chapter five, it's called the Beatitudes, like it's kind of the secret of happiness. Blessed are, or, but it's a word that means happy. Happy are those who are poor in spirit, who don't have what it takes. Happy are those who mourn over the fact that they weren't the people that they thought they were. And he said, happy are the meek. And it's a word that means lowly. And it's basically a heart that says, for the first time in my life, I realize I am better than nobody in this world. And um, I am as needy as the neediest, I'm as needy as a baby born in a village in the jungles of Colombia. I am as needy as the guy with the sign on the corner of Broadway and Central. I am as needy as a dog in the dog pound. I am as needy as anybody in this world. And I live on the charity of God. And what it means is I can stop bragging about anything. I can stop racing people. I can stop trying to prove how amazing I am and how much better I am because it makes me miserable and exhausted. I can stop criticizing, competing, and comparing and just know he loves me. And that's what makes me special. And that is the secret of happiness. And I think that Mary was someone who learned it because she said from, from, for all generations, people all over are going to call me bless, blessed. It's that very same word. People are gonna talk about how happy I was. I did, I do think, I do think that for her, because people like, I noticed this in the Gospel of Luke is that people who talked to other people about Jesus were people who were super happy. And, um, and they were all people who found joy from a difficult place. And, um, but the newborn king, had resolved that for them. And I think that she was a person who found great happiness in meekness and realizing I'm better than no one, I'm as needy as everyone, and I live on the charity of God. But I think it took a minute. 
So like when, when the angel appeared to Mary, he said, it's what's translated Hail Mary or Ave Maria. But it's, it's really the word, it's the word, that, it's the word joy, but it's the word that comes from the word goddess. It's the word grace. Grace, grace, Mary. It says, because you have found favor with God. Um, that's a word that, it's a, it's a passive participle. It's a word that says, you have been begraced. God has poured out, it's only used, that word's only used in Ephesians chapter one. I think it's about verse six where Paul says that we've been predestined to the praise of the glory of his grace with which he has begraced us. It's like you have been, God has dumped his grace on you. His love and acceptance, his free help and gifts, his strength and power. And she was going to need it. Like, like when she said yes, and people said, Mary, Mary, did you know? And everybody's like, yes, she knew. Like Mary knew, you know, when they sing that song, she knew what was she was saying yes to. But there were some things she didn't know. Like she didn't know it was gonna mean a 75 mile trip on a donkey nine months pregnant. She didn't know she was gonna lose the trust of her best friend and fiance for a little while. She didn't know her family wasn't gonna believe her. She didn't know she was gonna have this baby in a barn. She didn't, she didn't know, she didn't know that she was going to be an undocumented immigrant in Africa. She was going to need grace, help from God. And he gave it to her, and um, but it just kind of kept on being tough. So there's a certain story in chapter two of Luke where um, so when Jesus was Jesus was um, had grown up, and he was I mean he was a boy. He was a boy, and they went on like a trip that they took every year, three times a year, everybody from Galilee, and they would all go down to Jerusalem for a big festival, and it was super fun, and all their family, and all their extended family, and all their neighbors, and everybody together. And Jesus went this time, and he was a kid. He wasn't a, he was a preteen. He wasn't a teenager. And then, and they stayed, and it was awesome. They had fun, and then when they left, they, um, I don't know, Joseph thought he was with, you know, Mary, Mary thought he was with Joseph about a day and a half out. They're like, have you, uh, so Jesus, what, uh, Jesus? We, I mean, we have the other kids, but where's Jesus? I thought he was with you. Well, I thought he was with you. We've left our kid. We've left our kid in Jerusalem. I remember, that's the first memory I have was when I was four or five and my parents took all of those seven kids to see around the world in 80 days down at the Ridge Theater. It, the line was so long, it went to the Laughing Monkey and they just went home and they left me. And they got home and they were like, don't we have that other kid? Like what's his, what's his name about? <laughs> they left him, and, but when they got there, Mary said they found him in the temple and Mary didn't, she didn't say, Jesus, we're so sorry we forgot you. We're so sorry we forgot you. Will you forgive us? She said, why did you treat us like this? I mean, I gave you, I did an amazing thing. Shouldn't I be treated better than this? I mean, and I'm like, you're the one leaving your kid like everywhere. You know, don't I deserve better? 
I don't know if that's the first time that she ever had that thought. It wouldn't surprise me if she had it exhausted, 13 miles from Bethlehem, almost there, no place to stay, in a barn. Don't I deserve better than this? I did something special. I said yes. Doesn't that make me special? There was, um, when Jesus was 30 and he started to get some guys following him, and there was a wedding, and Mary was invited to a wedding. I think she was a widow by this time. And Jesus was invited and his friends. He had never, ever done a miracle. Almighty God, he became a human, hadn't done a miracle. Nobody really knew who, who he was. And um, so weddings were like these, you know, kids got married super young. But it was a, a week-long thing. It was feasting. They got to be the king and queen. That they would ride into the wedding on a white horse, and this, you know, the groom would have like a gold crown, gold dust in his beard, whatever beard a you know fourteen-year-old has, but whatever. But um, and they would be king and queen for a week. And what happened was they hadn't planned well, and the and the wine was the music was going to stop, the dancing was going to stop because the wine was going to run out, and it was a disaster. And Mary went to Jesus and said, "The wine was gonna, is about to run out." And what she was saying was, "Can't you do something? Can't you? I can't you do something to let people know how special you are, and let people know how special I I. It's not." We didn't get to be Queen Mary and King Joe at our wedding. Can't you let people know? I saw one time, it was a cartoon. It was Joseph and Mary riding on a donkey through Bethlehem. With She was holding the baby Jesus. And on the back of the donkey's rear end was a bumper sticker that said, my kid created your Bethlehem elementary student. You know, but it's like, can't you let people know who I am? And Jesus said, and he said, woman, it's not disrespectful, but it's kind of like saying, Mrs. Joseph. Um, what is there between you and me? You need to back that up. You're never going to be happy. You'll never, ever be happy. You did something amazing, but you need to embrace the fact that you're not better than anyone, and you're just as needy as everyone, and you have to live on the grace and charity of God like everyone. There's a place in Mark chapter 3 where um, Jesus had left the carpenter shop. He had left his family. He was in the, really in the, in the year when people were really, really finding out who he was, and he had massive crowds. He was doing just amazing amounts of miracles everywhere. And it said Mary and Jesus' brothers went to find him because they were going to force him to go home. It, the word that's used in the Greek language is a word that's sometimes translated arrested. They were going to arrest him because they thought he had lost his mind. You're leaving me after all I did for you. You must be crazy. And they told Jesus, there was tons of people in this house where he is, and they said, your mother and your brothers are outside. He didn't even go outside. He said, my mother and my brothers and my sisters are the ones who do the will of God. And she went home. And I, she, and I think she had to have been brokenhearted. I did something amazing. Don't I deserve better than this? I am not happy. 
And it's just a tough secret. And it's often hard to learn that the secret of happiness is no matter how God uses you in the amazing ways you say yes, and we say yes to him. But I need to embrace and know the fact that I am better than no one. And I'm as needy as everyone. And just like all who live, who really live, I live on the charity of God. So um, when Jesus was on the cross and he was dying in that horrible way, and John tells us that none of the disciples were there. They were too afraid. But John was there. And John says that Jesus's mother was there at the cross. And there were other women there as well. And um, in Matthew chapter 13, it says that Jesus had four brothers. And their brother's name were James and Joseph and Simon and Judah. And in Matthew chapter 27, when Matthew is talking about the women who were at the cross, John said Jesus' mother was there. And there was also a woman named Salome, who was the mother of two of Jesus' followers. There was a woman named Mary Magdalene. And there was another woman named Mary. But her name was Mary, the mother of James and Joseph. And that's why people wonder, are there six named Mary or seven? Or is it possible that this is Mary, the mother of the Son of God, the mother of Jesus? But she's come to understand, I'm just a mom, like other moms. I'm the mom of James. I'm the mom of Joseph. I'm not better than anyone. I'm just as needy as everyone. And I am finding joy in living on the charity of God. It says in Acts chapter 1, they were all together, all the people who believed in Jesus just the same, who had found life in grace that comes through Jesus. And she and Jesus's brothers were right in the middle, so happy and going out in the street and telling everybody about the wonders of God. I have found love. I have found help. I have found strength in the charity of Jesus. And I've needed it as bad as everybody in the world. And I'm as happy as I've ever been. Can I tell you one thing? I'm done. But this is one thing that I've come to discover. I just kind of discovered it this week. But the name Mary is found in the New Testament 54 times. It's always the name Maria, M-A-R-I-A. It's found 54 times. Um, Luke uses it 17 times. Um, he talks about Mary, the mother of Martha. He talks about Mary Magdalene. But in chapter one and two, he uses it 12 times to talk about Mary. But he spells it differently when he talks about her. He always calls her Miriam. It's the only place in the New Testament where, she, where he calls her Miriam. And the reason is 
the reason he knew that story of how she said yes and how she had to learn that I'm as needy as anyone in the world, she told it to him. And that's what she called herself. There's joy in it. There's joy in being better than no one and as needy as everyone and living on the charity of Jesus like you live in air and you'll be the happiest person you've ever been. Lord Jesus, help us to get over this. Some of us are struggling to get over it, to realize I don't have to prove anything. I don't have to race anyone. I don't have to brag about myself. I don't have to compete with anyone. I am so tired of it. I am so miserable of it. I just want to be loved. I just want to be helped. I just want your strength. I want to live on your charity and grace, and I want to be happy. Help me to be like her. Help me to be like a young mom that I have come to love. Like Mary. In her son's name, amen. No one listened, no one believed. They just whispered, they gossiped and grieved. But one brave girl walked into the Willingly, you said yes. No baby shower and no joyful tears, just pointed fingers, sickness and fear. And one brave girl who faced all the Gracefully, you said yes. Well, no celebration with family and friends, just shepherds, the strangers that angels would send. The stable, the husband, the baby, the mess, and the brave girl who said yes. Oh, brave girl, you said yes. and fears of all the 
Tschüss.